Welcome back to the Judaism From Within podcast. My name is Similana. You know the type of metaphor that's pervasive in society? And metaphors have a profound impact on both how we approach the world and how we understand ourselves within the world. An example of this is, where is life taking you? What cards has life dealt you? Now, the point of these two metaphors of approaching the world is that there is something external to you that is pulling you along a certain direction. Life is taking you somewhere. You are being dealt cards, and there's a certain inevitability to the cards that you are dealt to the game that you're able to play. What I wanted to do in this week's discussion is combine an idea from both Hanukkah and this week's parasha. This week's parasha is Parashas Miketz, which we have the story of Joseph being brought up or being involved in an alien culture and having to hold fast to his tradition and the values of his parents. We have the same principle when it comes to Hanukkah, a clash of civilizations, a clash of cultures, and the Jewish core having to hold tight and hold strong to their tradition. Even though in both these cases, there was almost a pull in the other direction. Now, this pull that I want to focus on, Rav Hirsch brings out in a very peculiar, but I still think a powerful way. This notion of being pulled along the stream of life brings to mind a certain fatalistic nature that we can sometimes fall into. And it comes out, I think, in a contemporary sense, when people ask a classical question that at an existential moment sort of hits you. You think to yourself, I'm living my life the way I'm living my life. But how much of that is really me, and how much of that is really my society, or my culture? Or put in a more succinct way, I'm Jewish, I'm traditional, I'm religious. What would I have been if I had been brought up in, let's say, India? Would I be Hindu? Would I be a Buddhist? What if I were brought up in Saudi Arabia? I'd probably believe Muhammad was the last prophet. In which case, if so much is determined by my place of birth, and everything about where I'm born simply just carried me along the stream of life, and here I am today, well, where was I? And a person can carry on down this rabbit hole to the point where he looks at life as being quite fatalistic. And that is, I think, what Hanukkah and this week's parasha, to an extent, are standing against. That there is a certain trend, a pull, but the idea is to walk up in the other direction. So to road map out our discussion, we're going to talk about this idea of being pulled in a certain direction and how, with the use of metaphor and symbolic language, the Torah inches us towards a different way of looking at the world, a striving more upwards direction, rather than this way that life has a tendency to pull us once again, the metaphors being used in the direction of the pervading culture, like we had in Hanukkah or that Yosef had in Egypt. And then to end it, we're going to give one or two more philosophical answers to this pervasive question about the relationship between your belief system and where you were born. And Rav Hirsch opens up in a bit of a bizarre way. He talks about stalks of wheat. Now, stalks of wheat, uh, that's very classic, we understand. We experience wheat in a certain way. It's fields of wheat. Everything is exactly the same. It shoots up, and then it's exactly the same. There's no there's uniformity. There's a sameness that wheat gives over. And Rav Hirsch looks at this as a sort of a symbol of this deterministic nature. And But it's not only that wheat has this certain image to it, but more than that, the language the Torah uses to describe wheat fits in line with this certain, let's call it, fatalistic notion. 
And on the language of fatalism, it's also quite appropriate because the Greeks were very into their fatalistic philosophies, be it the sisters of fate cutting the strings of individuals, or, or the classical myth of Oedipus, hence we get the word Oedipus complex. Oedipus was fated to kill his father and marry his mother. But moving us back to wheat, the word the Torah uses for wheat is shiboilas, which is also the word for a stream. But not just a stream, it refers to a downward flow. That's what a river is. A river flows because it's flowing downwards. But also to the word shofal, which means to be low. There's a certain downward trend, a pull, that the word shiboiles gives over. A naturalistic or physical pull that is part of nature. That is what a shvil is. Now, Rav Hirsch brings us to the words of the prophet, one of the Jewish prophets. It's always important to relate that when we talk about prophets from the Jewish standpoint, we're not talking about soothsayers who tell you your future. We're talking about prophets who gave warnings to the people at great risk to themselves. They would warn the people what they're doing, however unpopular this might have been to yell out at people. What you're doing is wrong, and you have to change and turn your ways. The words of the prophets were fascinating. They told the people that they were going down a shvil, that they were stumbling down a shvil oilom, the path of the, the road of the world. And this was a stumbling down, once again giving rise to this pull. They were being pulled down in a direction of evil. And he was warning the people not to be pulled in this direction, but but should go derech salula. Now, this is the echo of the word mesila, or mesilas yisharin. Now, those of you who have spent any time in Jewish ethical instruction, or the Musa movement, would have heard of the word mesilas yisharin. That's the same word, the ways of the righteous, a book written by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Latzato. Ever wondered why he'd picked the word mesilas yisharin for his book? because we're getting that contrast. So once again, to bring us back to the focus, the prophet tells us not to go down the shvil, but to go down the mesila. One is a road and the other one is a road. One's a path, the other's a path. But they both imply something radically different. One gives the impression of this inexorability of the pull of nature. There's this pull that we experience, but the goal is to push in the other direction. That language of the prophet is why Rabbi Moshe Chaim Latzato chose the word Mesilas Yisharin because Mesila, we get the root Salal, which is the same as a ladder. So you have one word for a road or a path that has the indication of transcendence, of something beyond this world. The metaphor of the ladder is constantly used, the dream of the ladder, from Yaakov's dream that connected this world to the next world. This idea of transcending is given over with the word Mesilas the word for a path that indicates something higher. And that's why the prophet is encouraging, coaxing the people to turn away from their evil ways and go up the road of righteousness. That's the religious calling. So to recap, we have this word that indicates a downward pull towards materialism, towards fatalism, ishvil, and a word that implies transcendence, misila, which is from misilas yisharin, the pathway of the just. So to go full circle... We're talking about two events, Joseph and the Maccabees. Both of them, the pull, the inexorable force of nature, seem to be pulling them down a certain shvil. And we have that in our own lives, where we feel a pull, where we experience our life just being going along a direction. But perhaps we could take a turn and say, maybe I will go along the Mesila, the roadway that will lead somewhere 
greater. And it doesn't necessarily mean greater in the respect that I'll achieve more, but there'll be more of me in the discussion. There'll be more of me in the decision-making. That decision, that feeling that I am the one at the helm of my ship is what we call moral freedom. When I'm turning, I'm doing my best and that sometimes I'll fail, but I'm constantly striving to be a chooser. And that aspect of choice transcends the mere physical. So we spoke about culture, we spoke about fate, and we spoke about the call of the prophets to focus ourselves on an active role in this world and choose the mesila, the road that leads upwards from the word ladder that gives us the air of this transcendence. But I want to just sort of step out for a second and give a couple of responses of how we can orientate ourselves to that first question I asked. I said, well, you were born in a certain place. Is there not this inexorable force that just leads you down that path? And if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, yes, most people who are brought up in a certain society, generally speaking, adhere to the values of that society. Just two points that are worth mentioning. If the critic in your mind or the critic in person poses you with this question, and often it comes from yourself, there is something self-defeating in the actual claim itself. The assumption being made by the critic to the religious thinker is that the religious thinker is simply a product of his own environment, simply a product of the belief system of his parents. But then the question can be posed back to the critic, well then aren't you as well a product of your own environment? And the hidden assumption here on the part of the critic is that he has been able to transcend his environment, to step outside his experience and made a free decision. But then can't you do the same? And if you can't do the same, then neither can he, in which case the question itself is obsolete, because nobody can, in which case everybody is just a product, in which case the critic doesn't actually have something specific to say. So once again, if he can step outside his environment and give reasons for why he felt that this way of life was more adequate, why can't you do the same? Which brings us on to our second point. Pointing out the origin of a person's belief isn't actually that interesting. What I mean by that is when you're criticizing a worldview, pointing to its origin is actually not an argument against it. Showing where a belief system originated, and thereby saying it's somehow wrong, is fallacious thinking. You have to point to my reasons for my belief system, not its origin. It's known as the genetic fallacy, the idea of pointing to the origin of a claim, and thereby showing it must be bad. No. A worldview stands and falls on the reasons that you can give to justify it. That goes for the religious thinker as well as the secular thinker. They both have to put forward reasons for their belief system, and then they are weighed and measured based off the reasons, not based off the origins. So two points. One, it is either possible or not possible to stand outside your own experience and make a free decision. If it's possible, then it's possible for both sides of the fence. And second of all, belief systems are challenged based off their reasons, not based off their origins. So the fact that I was born a religious Jew is irrelevant to my reasons now for holding this belief system. So we spoke about Hanukkah and Yosef being in Mitzrayim, two places where we see a pull, a trend in a certain direction and the desire to stand against it. And Rav Hirsch gives us symbolic language within the Torah to articulate this desire to push in the upwards direction. And we gave two answers to this classical philosophical question about the origins of a person's belief system and their ability to justify them. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a wonderful the rest of Hanukkah. And as always, if you're interested in other ways of thinking by other Jewish thinkers, check out the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network at intentionaljew.com. Have a wonderful week. 